Welcome to Brand Gurus, a podcast for all brands and practitioners who work within the industry, dedicated to exploring everything that goes into building leading brands with staying power. In this session, I had a brilliant conversation with Danny Somic, who heads up Huddle Creative, a branding outfit based out of Brick Lane in London. We took a look at the intersection between tech and human experience. We digested where AI has come from and explored how your business can fundamentally be changed by embracing it and specifically what the impacts are on brands and branding. We also examined tech trends happening in parallel and how they are dovetailing to create a future state. What I loved in particular about the conversation with Danny is that he takes both an analytical and hypothetical perspective on how burgeoning technologies can enhance human experience. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode of Brand Gurus. I'm joined by Danny Summit, CEO of Vider of Huddle Creative. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. Lovely to be here, David. Yeah, good to have you. And obviously, we met at Podge in London, which was a great event and uh, lots of good, smart people in the room. So uh, you certainly were, were one of them. I think we had a great conversation. I also want to introduce ChatGBT in its own words, um, and it describes itself as an AI-powered chatbot developed by OpenAI based on GPT language model. It uses uh, deep learning techniques to generate human-like responses to text inputs in a conversational manner, which sounds like the most robotic answer I've ever heard. So we'll take that with a a bit of a pinch of salt, but we are going to tuck into everything that it offers. We will uh, have a little bit of an exploration around its opportunities and, of course, with the... um, the, the skepticism that comes with uh, the opportunity cost of using it. But really, I, I think we're both in the same wave here, uh, Danny, about it being more about how you can innovate with it. And, you know, like any technology, holding back the dam uh, only pushes it down the road until someone's going to use it and make it really good. So I think that's what we're looking to explore. Yes. Brands are really trying to figure out what do I do with this? Where does it get applied? Yes. Am I going to lose my job? Um, is it going to overturn my industry? Yeah. And when we talk about it as practitioners, we look very much at what's the opportunity. And that positive sort of mindset, I think, is how the whole creative sector in particular have to be looking at it, don't they? I think, um, and actually, this is, this is the way I've always looked at technology as an opportunity to create. I mean, I've always worked with with technology people, developers, web developers. I've always tried to get them in early and in the process mm. because the people that build it are the best people that are that 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 can also conceive it and, and actually be part of that creative discussion. It's amazing what happens when you get creative sort of traditional creative people together with traditional sort of technologists. Yeah. Uh, there's some really some, some sparks fly and solutions, creative solutions come out that wouldn't have happened if they didn't have that uh, opportunity to share ideas and experiences from the start. Very different solutions come out if, if you run those two things in parallel. I'm a big believer that technology is a creative tool, not just a production or implementation tool. I couldn't agree more and very well put. When we're talking about ChatGPT, I think we're we're talking about this wave of generative uh, AI uh, that's that's hit us uh, recently. I mean, obviously, it's been there for many years, but um, only recently kind of come into the mainstream. So it would be good to talk about how um, how we can leverage this this technology to 
improve our marketing, our brand, our, uh, our product, our customer experience, etc., which is what I'm uh, particularly excited about. And I can talk about the, the journey I've been on since it, it sort of went mainstream. I think we're all uh, much, much uh, like with uh, Web 3.0, uh, all trying to figure out what's coming next and how we can um, practically implement some of these emerging technologies in our everyday working lives. Yeah, sounds really good. Um, and I think uh, to contextualise this for everyone listening, it would be great, uh, Dan, if you can give us a, a bit of an overview on Huddle Creative, uh, what your areas of focus are, the type of work you're doing, and, and maybe sort of tiptoe into where you would apply this uh, in sort of real terms. I set up Huddle Creative in 2009. I'd spent um, my career working for design and communication agencies, branding agencies, very much kind of the forefront of digital uh, as we know it. I think my job title back in the day was head of new media. I don't know if you remember that, David, but that was the term. Um, and I was always wondering, <laughs> when's new media going to be just media, you know? Um, but yeah, that's the kind of uh, possibly a topic for another time. So when I left my previous agency, uh, I gave myself the grand title of head of strategy and innovation because I was noticing and have always noticed uh, an opportunity to leverage technology for creative and, um, I guess, brand building purposes. So very much on the forefront of uh, the whole agile movement, uh, created something, um, a sprint based uh, approach to uh, branding and marketing, uh, I called creative burst. This is way ahead of sort of Google Ventures design sprint methodology uh, yeah, i was going to say i, I actually re- I recently consumed that audiobook okay um, they, there you go yeah yeah i, yeah, I did it in sprints yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely i think everything's got to be done in sprints nowadays yeah so i was i was you know we were i was in a very traditional brilliant actually pre- premium sort of corporate communications agency we, we worked with lots of the FTSE uh 100 companies but I was just noticing that there was an opportunity to do things in a slightly more agile and collaborative way. I took those principles into Huddle, which is why it's called Huddle, and very much around uh, harnessing the power of collaboration and, and tapping into sort of co- uh, co- collective intelligence. So I like to see results soon rather than uh, navel gaze and think about th- overthink things. I think that makes you a millennial, right? Yeah, yeah, it does do. That's what I'm. Uh, that's, so you're you know, shifting times I'm here, right? Honorary uh, millennial, uh, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, that. I mean, it's not so much. I guess it's not so much impatience. It's just wanting to see progress sooner, and uh, working in the world of brand strategy and digital. I just felt that um, there was a way of doing things in a in a more collaborative and more agile way. Historically, we've delivered AI-driven type solutions to some very big companies, things like solution-finding type chatbots, apps, and this is going back quite a few years. Personally, I've been using AI uh, technologies for, you know, I've I've had an AI personal assistant for a while. Um, And and so this, when, when ChatGPT came along, and we must remember it, it's still in beta, right? Uh, so there are, they're kind of using the crowd to feed the machine, to improve the machine, which will 
according to some people, eventually overtake us and put us all out of jobs. Well, if you if, if you believe the Terminator and the Doomsdayers, then then yeah, that is definitely one possible way. Absolutely, right? <laughs> absolutely. I'm I'm trying to remain super positive and super opportunistic. And even going back maybe to 2017, 2018, there was a time I think I, I came back from South by Southwest and told the team, look, AI is not just on the horizon, it's here and it's you know it's happening fast. I actually ended up doing a talk to a whole load of business owners and uh, I didn't quite know what to say. I wasn't quite prepared, but I, I sort of started with what I thought was a bit of a joke, which didn't maybe get the reaction was uh, from the room that I expected, which was I, I started saying, like, have you seen the film The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis? And there's a famous line in the film. I said, look, I don't see dead people I see dead businesses and the whole room went silent and that was that was there was the serious point was actually I could see 50% of the people in the businesses in that room would not exist in five years time unless they did something about it Mm -hmm. they were just trying they were just doing the same thing that they've always done and actually the um, the importance of looking up sort of taking a step back outside of the business and looking at what's going on in the world in terms of consumer behavior in terms of business i thought was really important so i've always encouraged us to even though it can be a little bit scary at times just to go let's take a real look at um what's happening out there not to say we should be jumping on any trends but just to just to be aware of um the opportunities and the threats that could come down the line and I remember quite clearly uh, saying to the creative director at the time that we should be designing the thing that designs the thing because his view was, you know, oh, well, you know, AI is not going to replace my job because I'm a creative and I can think outside the box and I can come up with lots of interesting ideas. And I said, well, you know, if you look at it, ultimately it's a process that happens in the mind. And it might be there'll be one thing that inspires a thought, which then inspires an idea that you then connect the dots. And actually, there's no real reason why machines can't be uh, creative, maybe creative in a different way than human beings. But that is the that is the threat. But therein lies the opportunity to go, well, how can we how can we work with these machines to inspire us, to give us more sparks in our minds to to get to some of the creative solutions that we're looking for and that's where I am at the moment so for me at least in the short to medium term these this AI revolution is a, a massive opportunity for lots and lots of people that are willing to take the plunge get their hands dirty and really just uh, you know be brave enough to throw throw themselves into it and not worry too much about you know, maybe the long term in terms of the doomsday scenario in terms of what could come further down the line. That doomsday scenario, I don't think it should be dismissed as some strange conspiracy theory because it is actually fundamentally changing the future and it's happening a lot faster than any other revolution in the past. And I'm I'm on the, I, I sort of, if the line is on the spectrum of being absolutely petrified about what's happening in the future 
and on the other end, totally elated and kind of enthused by what could come. I do tend to maybe not work on the extremes, but I do challenge myself to look at those extremes. But I, I'm sort of fluctuating in the middle at, at the moment. You know, I think there's there's, there's some, some really sort of good points to pick up from there. And, 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 and actually what I'm thinking is how they all come together. And when we have a new technology burgeoning and we, we want to try and understand it and how to leverage it, often it's looked at in silo. An increase in demand from B2B firms to get sexy in the eyes of consumers, right? Or be more relevant. Arguably, that is because a lot of tech solutions are now coming into the public consciousness. So if we think about audiences, of course, you've got that B2B sales generated proposition you have to get right to look like you're a, a sustainable partner. Yeah. Um, however, you know, that, that sort of macro perception is super important as well. And if we think about ChatGPT and how that's come out, where does that sit in terms of the other big technology trends that are happening just now, which I would argue are a precursor to a future state? And just to sort of summarize some thoughts on that, and I'd love to hear what you think. If we look at the idea of very simply, everyone will know this, meta, and that you know virtual life uh, or that virtual enhancement that you can have, couple that with digital currency, crypto, triple that with uh, digital assets. Now throw AI into the mix and you've got a heck of a lot of things happening all at once in a very short period of time. And we were talking about the top of a pin here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of our technology advances and how we consume that content, interact with it and engage with it. Bigger picture is what? where is this all going to land in 10 years and what does this emancipate us from doing so that we can start to use our minds in different and more enhanced ways? Love to get your thoughts on that sort of collective tech mix. I did a bit of research, uh, quite a lot of research around Web 3.0, trying to understand what it actually means. Um, I concluded that it was really just a term to try and add some tangibility to something that was inherently vague. Um, and you know, you speak to 10 different people, you'll get 10 different answers. Ultimately, consumer behavior and people will define what it is. Um, But my conclusion was that it's really just a a kind of sense of direction, a, a direction of travel that we're all heading in. And looking at some of the principles behind Web 3.0, so the the whole sort of immersion and immersive experiences, that's one thing. A lot of people think that Web 3 is the metaverse, and that's pretty much it. They also think that the metaverse is one thing, not uh, lots of different metaverses, if you like. In real, in really, in, in in real terms, the metaverse should be called the metaverses. But anyway, that's another <laughs> another thing. Um, then this idea that we've gone from read to read write to then own the media that you're producing, so that we're no longer in the future uh, the product. We we take ownership of the content that we create and the, and the conversations that we're contributing to that's quite interesting the other thing is obviously with blockchain uh, based technology is this this idea of um, democratizing and decentralizing uh, the internet uh, so lots of these emerging things and they're not happening in sequence there's they're, they're very much kind of overlapping 
Uh, and then you look at the um, the movement in robotics, so physical uh, robotics. And then AI, I don't think you can have a conversation around Web3 without you know AI being at the heart of it, because really that's going to that's gonna power pretty much everything. Um, so my, my focus shifted from Web3 as a general concept to, uh, to generative AI, particularly generative AI, because that's obviously the, the space that we occupy uh, as a design and a creative agency. There is absolutely a blurring of the lines between B2B and B2C. I think that's been going on for a decade or so. Because ultimately, it's not business to business, it's human to human, irrespective of uh, the actual sort of contact. Who knows, in the future, it might be human to bots. It might even be bot to bot, which is a, a frightening prospect. I think all of these technology embedding itself into everyday consumer life, I think it will happen rel- in relatively small phases. Or, you know, what we'll start seeing is applications that we use on a day-to-day will start to have features, AI-driven features embedded into them. So I don't think we're looking at a wholesale change overnight, particularly when it comes to sort of mass adoption, but it will happen gradually uh, and um, iteratively. And we're already starting to see this, right? We might not even know it. Even uh, technologies that improve video compression or, uh, you know, voice uh, um, quality or whatever we you know we're using that uh, without almost knowing it I think the one thing that really excites me is how technology can help us create more personalized experiences so it becomes more about the individual and your preferences uh, rather than just these kind of uti- utility tools that we're using. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's it's a good point, right? You know, at, at the moment we look at the immediate application of things, right, and we look at um, where they can help us solve a small problem right now. But you know, we're obviously uh, in this podcast looking at what happens in the future and where that can lead to. Um, but you have to have that precursor, of course. But where do you see uh, generative AI currently being ap- applied um, from a, a sort of brand perspective or uh, a creative perspective? that's working well? So I think everyone's in an exploratory phase at the moment. So they're not disrupting the status quo just yet, but that is happening and it's happening fast. So it's actually affected our business in a negative way. Uh, One of our clients who we were supporting on more, if I'm honest, more production type tasks has decided to use ChatGPT to generate some messages for their social marketing. And that's something we would normally, well, it's happening, David, I'm sorry to say, but I think it's the right thing for them to do. Now, the problem is that we've seen the output and the quality is just not there. Mm. And not only that, there's something, there's the X factor, there's a spark that's missing. It's the human it's the human insight or the human touch is missing. It's just what I've seen is good enough, but not, wow, that's brilliant. You know, um, not to say that ChatGPT, and no, I've had so many aha moments with exploring this technology. Uh, it, it, you know, it is um, 
mind-blowing stuff at times but when applied to what we're currently doing it's not it's not really there so it is just 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 to understand that and unpack that a little bit more so it's not currently there from a creative perspective but is it is it sort of been applied by brands at the moment to do that sort of cost reduction piece and just get the job done versus excelling the creative opportunity which you at the moment your argument is can only be done by humans i think it is i think where i've seen it pop up in uh, is is been in a very practical sense it's it's often um around efficiency rather than quality having said that i, I guess it's comparative quality based on what you're currently doing at the moment and the resource you've got at the moment this particular client doesn't have in our view the internal resource to do what we could do and so actually using ai to generate messaging it is a step up in terms of quality for them as well as efficiency they're still very much in that experimentation stage so they're not throwing mm. everything out just yet a number of people i've spoken to are like me and to some extent in that open exploratory phase of just looking at actually how how things can be applied to what we do at the moment so we're currently going through a process now we're we're mapping out our whole process which we've kind of got mapped out already and we're looking at where can ai assist us not necessarily to save time or money but to actually improve the quality of our work and that's that's what we're we're looking at the moment so what we've found is one of the one of the key uh, use cases is is that whole blank you know staring at a blank page conundrum where you're you know you've got something in your mind but it's just not coming out we've found things like chat gpt and other tools as well able to just create that first become the catalyst for that for getting started quite often we're just having to generate ideas around what the what that brand is all about we can use chat gpt as a way of just generating keywords and and you know even if we're doing a naming project or renaming that can help us create a a, a sort of long list of, of of names which would then be a catalyst onto more strategic human thinking just to pick up on that that point in particular danny i think when we met last year we had a pretty funny conversation about the subjectivity of naming um and the fact that quite frankly in 2023 everything's been used so yes. how do you how do you innovate that and i love that idea of applying um that sort of generative ai to help facilitate that first piece which is then human deciphering after there and what we're essentially seeing there is that the should we say emotional nuance that you require from a branding perspective it's still missing from an AI perspective. But I think that's okay. If we reflect on the, um, you mentioned earlier, the book Sprint, which I think is you know, a, a pretty smart listen or read and or how you consume your content. And the example they give in there of the first you know, iterance of Sprint is to try and have a robot deliver room service. And how can we make that uh, not just believable, I mean, I think everyone accepts it as a robot, but make it frictionless. Yes. And to that point, I would apply the same thinking to ChatGPT. Ultimately, I think, you know, people are, you know, if you use Amazon and you make a complaint or if you go through any chatbot in general terms, 
we're habituated to know and understand that you're not speaking to a human, but in fact, you're probably getting your end result a little bit quicker than otherwise you might do with a human being. Um, And obviously it's a cost efficiency from a, a company perspective. So with that in mind, does that maybe in the short term at least narrow the field of application for generative AI and ChatGPT and how we can apply it? I think I think it does. The way we're viewing it is almost like as a competent colleague that we can bounce ideas from and we can ask it to do some tasks that just help us get us started. Um, and that's just that's not necessarily, I mean, naming is, I think, an extreme example, because I think as we were talking about, uh, naming is so inherently strategic, you know, it's the sharp end of anyone's proposition. And you have to pack a lot of sentiment within such a short, short space. And it is inherently subjective. But you know, as a human being, when there's a there's the right name, you know, in your gut that it feels it feels right. So this is the the, the kind of conundrum with with something as strategic and subjective as naming we can ask it to generate a whole load of names i mean the art is really in the prompt so what you tell the bot to do but not just that what you what you tell it it is so you can say you are a brand strategist who specializes in naming companies within this particular sector you know, you almost feed it, you tell it what you want it to act like, which is a, a, a tool, a sort of a little tip that we've been experimenting with. Just give it a, give it the context it needs to then talk from. And we, we tend to get more honed and, and more, you know, more accurate results and a, and a sort of richer conversation that comes from it. So, um, but using it as a as a starter for creativity, and like you said, David, that I don't think at the moment there's really any replacement for that human uh, insight and that 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 nuance that we bring to the table. That's both in terms of visuals as well as words, and and also the quality aspect of it. You know, is it going to resonate with a human being? Now, what 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 seems to be happening? And where it could go is that actually the robots will do the heavy lifting and we'll do the finessing and the, the QA to make sure it's sort of uh, right for human consumption. And it does have a, a, a sort of human in, um, impact and it resonates with people. That may be where it goes. The, the interesting thing for me to take away from the way that you're speaking about it, Danny, is that you see it as a tool that you can prescribe how you want it to behave. Whereas I guess the, the, the bigger picture and the unknown is what happens when it starts telling us what's for dinner, right? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And how far, how far does that need to go? Right. I mean, if you think about, um, you've probably seen it, I'm sure many have ex Mechanica, uh, the movie where, you know, you're the, 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 the chap sort of taken away to a forest location and he's interacting with, um, uh, what he doesn't know to be a robot to try and build out. Oh, he, sorry. He does, but he's got to test it to make it to the point of believability. Yes. Um, and, and that, that sort of pivot point happens, you know, how far away are we from getting locked in that house? And then, you know, the robot buggers off to the city to take the job. I think, well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things develop. I think in the short term or midterm, at least we are looking at, 
AI and robots being subservient and assistive. Um, but it's almost like how how far are we willing to go to let them in and dictate what is best for us? Because I can see a scenario where actually we learn to trust bots in a way that we've never done before. And then that then would, rather than control us, influence our behaviour to the point where they are, I guess, on paper, uh, mapping out how we live and dictating what we should be doing. Well, that's the other, that's the flip side, really, isn't it? Just to dive in on that point, you know, it's the the uh, aversion to uh, human thinking being dialed down to an algorithm, which again, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show a balanced picture here. I, I'm all for tech innovation. Uh, like you say, if you sit there, you'll die. You have yep. to keep moving and progress. But, you know, just to address some of these open topics that perhaps aren't in the sort of practitioner space, but very much in that mass media space. Um, and that is arguably what drives a lot of what we do as businesses, you know, what's that perception going to be? And of course, we're in a cancel culture. So we want to make sure that we're mindful from a PR perspective in particular as well, how we, we operate and behave. Yeah, it's 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 a fascinating topic. I think the trick is to, well, trick, um, my, my approach to all of this is to just try and keep an eye, but not overreact either way, you know, not to be too petrified by what's coming, not to be too excited about what's coming and actually focus on the here and now in terms of what what practical tools can we use to improve the quality of our products, include in, in, improve efficiency, improve general sort of happiness, improve client uh, satisfaction. Th- these are all things that are doable if this technology is applied in the, in the right uh, and sort of more pra- practical ways. Because I think there's a danger in just getting overwhelmed by everything that's coming, and and um, yeah. and 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 sort of to some extent becoming sort of paralysed by by it, or becoming defeatist. You know, there is uh, still hope. <laughs> there is um, lots of hope, actually. You know, there's um, uh, advances that we we you know that we will hit um, and. And, and, you know, looking back, we'll be like, how did we live any other way with some of these uh, these these advances? So I'm, I'm really excited. But like I say, my focus now is on how can we leverage these tools, these emerging technologies um, in, in lots of ways now, rather than worry too much about what's coming down the line. And David, you talked about algorithms. I was watching something yesterday about how TikTok... Uh, algorithms work and everyone believes that it's really you know it's about the quality of the content and the engagement and what resonates etc um but i found out that uh, they actually do something called heating which is human beings clicking a button on what they think they that you know want to go viral which is quite interesting mm-hmm. and also potentially dangerous uh in the wrong hands because again it's very subjective you know what can explode on tiktok uh, can be decided at the click of a button and the person who's clicking the button as a human being is is quite scary but but yeah so this mishmash of a human uh and uh algorithmic uh interventions is quite an interesting space to look out for 
Yeah, for sure. And I think um, the, the whole idea of embracing it and how it can be applied and figuring that out is 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 no more prevalent than say for example in the music industry which is a hugely interrupted space um and has been for years has adapted and there's been winners and losers in there but i think for the most part we're all in a better place with it um one example i've seen uh, recently um is the dj david guetta used uh, google's ai platform to write a song about uh, the future of rave in a version of how uh, Eminem, some shady, right? Do it. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. And then fed that script into an AI generation for the voice, overlaid it on a track, played it, and it worked amazingly. Amazing. And the crowd loved it. So he had a direct form of measurement for how applying AI would resonate with his end audience. And I wonder just to flip that onto a brand and marketing perspective, how can we measure the impact? of applying generative AI to what we do and how brands can leverage it. We, we can think about what that KPI needs to look like. Um, that KPI may be uh, customer satisfaction. It may be uh, creative output. It may be growth in services. But, but, but how can brands sort of harness harness what we're talking about just now and, and apply that and then have a, a, a proof point in terms of why it was a worthy investment? It's a big question because um, obviously it depends on what the specific KPIs are. Um, but, you know, in in theory, AI-assisted technologies should help us improve customer satisfaction. It should help brands reach more people. It should help them resonate with more people. Um, and it should all be trackable against the previous, you know, state of play. I don't know if it's the holy grail, but the idea of having a bot, like prompting a bot to create something, put it out there, measure its effectiveness, and then iterate on what it's created, you know, it's doable. There's no reason in uh, in theory for human beings, apart from sort of a bit of oversight and maybe a little bit of tweaking here and there, um, you know that that that's a that's a possibility. I mean, I had um, a premonition. I don't know if it's a premonition. Actually, no, it's not because a premonition would mean it's actually come true now. Um, <laughs> but the uh, and I think it was it was it came out of the, a couple of talks I went to at South by Southwest quite a few years ago now, which was and it, it ties in with this idea of personalization, which is we're telling machines things sometimes explicitly sometimes implicitly but you know we're feeding the machines data on ourselves so that could be uh searching into google or it could be browsing i don't know facebook um we're also wearing uh health devices that are giving it biometric data and there's no reason to to see a, a situation uh, not arising where um, the machines are creating content on the fly based on the inputs that we're telling it. As an extreme example, we could all be going to a cinema and watching a very different experience based on our emotional state at the time. And, you know, I use going to the cinema as a very loose phrase because who knows what's, what's going to happen there. So in terms of, I think 
where this all could be heading is in enriching and improving our experience as human beings when interacting with products and services and brands. That's where I hope it's going. So yeah. this whole conversation around, oh, it's going to help us produce things quicker. It's going to help us kind of replace human beings like in the factory and et cetera. I, I, I'm, my, my hope is that it's not about that. It's not just about that. That might be a byproduct actually of all of this, but where it sort of um, takes away uh, jobs and tasks from people, it will replace them with other jobs and tasks in a different sphere. So that's that's the uh, the, the kind of vision I, I guess I have really, the hope I have is that it's really improving and enriching our lives. Yeah, I think that's, for me, that is absolutely on the money and, and where my head's at with it as well. That ability to enrich an experience and if we translate that back to a brand or indeed more so from a company perspective, the benefits there and those barometers for success and measurement could be along the lines of deeper entrenched brand loyalty, increased customer life value, and indeed the, the monetary benefits off the back of that. So very much that sort of worthy way to look at it if you had to put a monetary value next to it. And like yeah. you were saying, I think it's a really good point, that redistribution of human effort. Yes. Um, so we've got this ability to emancipate ourselves from what I would argue would be the sort of mundane. Um, and I see this coming through in loads of different technologies, you know, like Adobe buying up Marketo five or six years ago, whatever it was, and, and helping sort of layer in that sort of creative uh, straight to market piece that intelligence understanding piece and then AI layered on top of that to help almost from a B2B perspective make the buy and sell process more of a utility rather than a human exertion. It just feels like it, this is just another nudge in that direction really, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. And we're talking about sort of, you know, the customer experience. My um, Someone I know who is uh, developing a, a bot um, a chatbot, a voice, a voice activated chatbot uh, for hotel rooms, you know, where it's not so much room service, but it's, uh, it's, it allows people to talk to um, a bot in very natural terms to request things like, I guess, yeah, to request things like extra towels and that sort of stuff. You know, what, they, uh, what they've done with their research is they've looked at actually people would rather speak to a bot, weirdly, than you know, tr- you know, could try and get through to someone on reception who may may not or may be able to answer their questions and that sort of stuff. Now, that in theory is is in improving the customer experience. Even though there will be many that say, "No, I'd rather speak to a human being." Actually, the experience is better, and then it also makes things more efficient behind the scenes. So, yeah, improving customer experience, improving customer loyalty, retention, lifetime value. These should all be outputs of just having a better quality service and a, and a, a better quality brand that is fulfilling its its promise uh, to to consumers. Yeah, I think that that all resonates, and I think we could you know, we could apply this to to many different industries. You know, there's going to be some winners and losers, and there's going to be some that would adopt it quicker. Um, and there's always going to be that underpinning of corruption. I mean, that comes in everywhere. We see AI sort of being applied in the financial services sector from a trading perspective. Now, how soon until regs come in where that's not uh, a thing that you can do um, and retail investors don't trip up institutional investors and, and all of these things you know there's so many facets um, 
I um I, I would I'd love just to have a, a bit of a, a closing thought um, for yourself or closing advice from yourself if that's all right, Danny. And it's a two pronged question. For those listening just now, um, how can agency side and brand side take advantage of generative AI and, and chat GPT as we know it just now? If they were to start rolling it out tomorrow, what's the advice you would give? So the advice I would give is to, first of all, embrace it, recognize that it's coming. There's no way of avoiding it. It's nothing to be scared about if you're willing to be open to exploring the practical uses, the the more philosophical uses further down the line. But really, really, I, I guess it's a question of going, right, this is, this is coming and, and this is good. So really just getting to that point. So that's more of a sort of mindset thing. In terms of practicalities, I would say, look at what you're doing now and your processes and look at every step brainstorm ideas around okay is there any way we can innovate in this area if is there any way we can get more value or quality out of this particular thing that we're doing uh, manually or in the way that we're doing it at the moment where are the opportunities for improvement and innovation in each one of those things you know and we talked about brainstorming ideas using using the the machine to generate a whole load of prompts and ideas that could then spark an idea for us to take to take into a strategy and and you know that can work on the visual side of things so for example if an agency is creating some some visual concepts you know get mid journey to generate those concepts for you and then ignore it or take it on board, but you know you've got the control over what you, how you want to use it. So it's still very much in your hands how you use these technologies. Someone taking ownership within the agency or the client business to say, actually, I'm going to lead this. So I'm going to, I'm going to learn everything there is to know about it, and I'm going to synthesize all that information. I'm going to take it back to my team. I'm going to take it to my clients. I'm going to say, look, this is, this is coming. This is here. Um, and get people excited about it, inspire people with it. Amazing things will happen. You know, when I've shown people some of these technologies, they do have our home moments. So they do go, oh, wow, I could use it for this, that and the other. Uh, there's a lot of nervous copywriters out there. Now, the smart ones are going, actually, this is a great thing because this is going to um, enhance the way I do copyright or make it more efficient. Uh, the way I do copywriting. Now, you could argue, well, that's actually sort of, you know, less money in their pockets because they're doing it quicker. But actually, if they're if they're basing their work on value rather than just time, I think, I think, you know, everyone wins, right? So the client gets what they want, to the quality and the standards that they want. And the uh, creator has just used some of these tools. I mean, there's no different from any tool that we've any plugin that we've used in Photoshop or whatever. Um, it's just, a, it gives us access to a quicker and, and better way of doing something. Uh, and as we know, if we've got access to those resources, we tend to use them, embrace the technology um, with both hands, look at how you're currently doing something and your processes, look at where AI can enhance 
the quality and maybe the efficiency of what you're doing. And then I guess there's also a an area to say, well, actually, what aren't we doing that we could be doing with this technology? So where's the, you know, the whole blue ocean strategy? Where's the area that all of our competitors aren't looking at, but we could we could innovate and create uh, something amazing? So I've set myself a task within the next three years to make Huddle redundant as a traditional agency. Okay. And I don't... That's a bold 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 declaration. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't think it will happen. We will become what we need to be in order to be successful. But it's a bit... Well, it's a bit more than a thought experiment. It's an actual experiment. Can I build a platform, which is Huddle AI, that... Um, replicates or improves on the things that we do um, and outputs the same sort of level of quality, both in terms of strategy and design. It's a challenge to help me have some sort of direction in, in which to take it. And it adds a bit of tangibility over just doing some desk research and some arbitrary, arbitrary work around it. But ultimately, uh, for me, anyway, uh, the passion is around how can we create more human-centric brands uh, using this technology um, that we didn't really have uh, real access to prior to to this explosion in in, in uh, ChatGPT and uh, all that's to come. Positively, we're we're ending on the opportunity, which I think is a a nice place to wrap. And I think we've covered a a good swathe there. There should be lots for agencies and brands alike to consider and factor into the thinking and application. I mean, I think in in summary, what we're essentially seeing here is get your hands dirty, talk about it, see where it can be applied, stress test that, look at what that application might look like for your business and share that information, right? Share that as, as part of a sort of collective conversation Um, both within the creative space as well as in the business space, right? I think that's probably the greater good. 100%, 100%, David. I think that's a very positive way to end. Yeah, really helpful. So thank you so much, Danny, for joining us today. If you found the session interesting today, remember to subscribe and send any questions through to info at brandgurus.co.uk.